Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. I'm here with Richard Neal from uh, Birth, who's here for their Dublin Row show with their product. And they do cloud analytics. How's it going, Richard? It's going very well so far. We've um, pretty much been around most of the US, but my colleagues have looked after that. Uh, and so far in Europe, we've been to Dusseldorf, we've been to Milan, London, and this is our fourth stop, which is Dublin. And where's next? Zurich tomorrow. That should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Zurich. Yeah, so I've been once just in the airport flying through. I think that'll be my trip as yeah. well. Yeah. And tell us a bit about the background of what Burst actually does. Sure, yeah. So Burst is a business intelligence and analytics platform. Um, and the thing that I suppose cuts it apart from the many other tools on the marketplace that, uh, that do that is that it was born in the cloud. So it was designed from day one to be a multi-tenant, cloud-based business intelligence and analytics platform. Um, amongst the things that we call its differentiators from the other products on the marketplace is that it, uh, it's, it's a full stack of products, so it includes ETL capabilities to be able to integrate data. It's yeah. not just a, a front-end, which is what you often see in, in the analytics world. Um, thanks to its multi-tenant architecture, it has some very interesting features that allow customers to build what we call networks of BI. Yeah. Um, because often, I think when you hear the term multi-tenant, you think that's multiple customers working off a single you know, infrastructure. But we allow our users to create virtual BI tenants. Um, and that's unique in the marketplace as far and as... How does that know. work? Well, basically, you build up a definition of data, metadata, semantic layer, which is the, the, the means by which uh, business users access data without needing to know the underlying structure. <clears throat> and you build one of these network clients for each... Um, of your, maybe your departments, or if you're a multinational, it could be different geographies. But with Burst, you're able to join these different databases together in a way that doesn't impact the source. So it's, um, it's effectively like a virtual join, if you like, and then Burst will automate the, the federation of data. Um, it solves a big problem in business intelligence, which is that when you build a, a data warehouse, typically you have to try to guess every question that the business user is going to ask, because you never know what questions are going to ask and how they're going to ask it. With this approach, you can build up, I suppose, more focused views for business users and then solve the how do I combine this data together in a virtual way rather than in a, in a kind of physical way? Yeah. Trying to design the data warehouse that meets every requirement, I think, is nigh on impossible. And how does it work with multi-users? It's, well, it's, as you'd expect with any business intelligence tool, it, it's, it's got a full set of security tools within it, so you can manage users to allow them to only access certain types of data. could be different columns or different rows of data. You may want to restrict the functionality that they have with the product. Um, but also, because it's multi-tenant, we can have multiple customers coming in securely into our data center without being able to see anybody else's data. So it's, uh, it's all hosted in state-of-the-art data centers. So, for example, in Europe, our main data center is here in Dublin on the Amazon Web Services yeah. infrastructure, which, of course, is used by many people, but uh, that, and also in Frankfurt as well. So we're partly working with Amazon's infrastructure, and then on top of that, we run our own burst instances. And I guess because you're based, basically in Ireland, Frankfurt, you're more aligned with the new GPRD rules coming in next year. Well, it does help a lot. That's yeah. cor absolutely correct. So, um, I mean, a key, di I suppose, thing about that those regulations is that there are you know, two types of 
people work with it. There are there are data processors, which is yeah. what we are as a as a vendor, and then there are data controllers, which is typically the end customer. So our job is to ensure that um, you, you know that we only do what the customer asks us to do, and no, and no more and no less. Um, customers themselves responsible for, for for a lot of the processes. But you're right, we we are certified um, on the new US European privacy data shield as well. That was something we announced a few weeks ago, um, and. The exercise of going through that process of certification for Privacy Shield enabled us, if you like, to get our processes correct for the uh, the new regulations that come in next year. And also, what about Brexit? How is that going to affect? Well, that's going to be an interesting journey. So we don't really know how, how that's going to affect us until, of course, the negotiations get into full swing. So it's it's a little bit of an unknown quantity for us at the moment. You know, we haven't seen any kind of major impact on on the way that we do business. Um, we're still a you know US headquartered company, so that doesn't change. Well, I guess um, because you got data stored in, in Ireland and Frankfurt, it's in the, it's in the EU, so that, that's not too bad. Exactly right. So it, it'll be more about what will, what will it mean for the UK in general? Yeah. Um, how will they be impacted? Will we just take the EU regulations and kind of rub them, stamp them into our our laws, or will we come up with something different? Uh, alas, we're all uh, we're all waiting to hear the news on that. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of other. Yeah. Uh, Regulations that, that probably maybe higher up the priority list as well. So I don't know. Yeah, and I'm hearing Trump's trying to trying to redraw the, the new rules about him, Prep Shield. He's trying to get them re- redesigned as well. Yeah. So again, I think all you can do in this world at the moment is just watch the developments. I yeah. mean, even when it comes to the new EU regulations, I know that although the the things are kind of cast into concrete as part of a statute, the interpretation of those rules is still taking place. And so we are, uh, our chief technology officer in the US is our sort of chief security officer as well, and he watches these things very closely. So, so he's looking always to see how um, the new regulations for next year are going to be interpreted, because that's definitely a moving target. And I think Brexit and Trump just add a little bit more kind of more of a, a kind of a variation to the mix so you know we'll, we'll see how that goes as regards security how, how, how secure do you do you guarantee your products are going to be well we i mean we we guarantee you know the, the security to the best of our ability and, and you can imagine that as a cloud bi provider it's a question that is often asked so we have a a number of detailed security uh, capabilities that that you know probably go beyond my 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 expertise and my knowledge but safely to say that you know we support uh, secure login um, data is can is encrypted in transit it's encrypted at rest if the customer wants it that's an optional thing because um, i don't know if you're aware but if you encrypt database data it does reduce some of the functionality that you can have with it for example indexes are not as effective yeah. when the information is encrypted so if you encrypt at rest there's, there's a performance impact there's something that customers have to um, have to uh, to weigh up we, we support things like single sign-on so that if customers are already using a you know, third-party authentication environment then often we will work with those and we work with all of the leading kind of security providers you know whether it's a Microsoft technology or, or, or a specialist um, but suffice it to say that you know security is something that is super important to us um, and then of course when it actually comes to the data centers themselves um, they are you know they have the usual kind of biometric and physical barriers to access we have processes in place to ensure that only certain employees have access to 
um, operations, for example, and it's like a like an inner sanctum. And finally, every burst employee has to go through security training every year, and that's something that we we do promise our customers. So we have a, a culture of security that you know is expected, even if you only work in marketing like myself. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm a bit overdue on my test for this year. I'm supposed to take it before the end of uh, uh, the end of February, and I haven't quite done that yet. So I need to uh, need to get busy. cracking. Yeah. yeah. And also, regards that like your SaaS based. Do you work on all browsers? Uh, yes, we do. Yeah, I mean, we support all the modern browsers, and Burst itself is built using you know a modern framework of uh, of technologies that. I think a lot of many many people use today. Um, actually, it's interesting you say that we're, we're software as a service, which is what we are, but we do give our customers a lot of flexibility in terms of how they deploy Burst. So most of our customers use Burst in, in our public cloud environment. Yeah. But we also have a lot of customers that use their own private cloud. Some of our bigger customers, for example, are already heavy investors in Amazon. And if they have their own Amazon instances and they have their own Amazon Redshift data warehouse in place, then they will often choose to run Burst as an appliance within their own uh, Amazon instances. So we deliver, as well as the public cloud service, uh, a virtual machine to customers as an option as well. And if you want to run Burst on-premises, you can do that too. So again, you know, we recognize that some companies are just not ready to move their kind of analytics workloads to the clouds right now, but they might like the product in yeah. terms of its capabilities and feature set. Um, so the same product that we run ourselves in our data center, um, the customer can run as on-premise data. And does it work well with a mobile device as well, like a smartphone or tablet? Oh yes, it does, yeah. So um, the standard user interface is all HTML5, so it's responsive. And um, one of the things that we'll be demonstrating at the event today, we will be showing things like reports and dashboards running in a browser on a mobile device. and the dashboard will be automatically resized. We also have um, a tablet and a phone uh, application as well, both for Android and iPhone. The, the, the reason we also provide um, the apps is because they allow you to use Burst offline. Yeah. Um, the thing with a browser is you've got to be connected to a data processor, but the app will cache data locally, so you can have a data, a, a where, a, sorry, not a warehouse, you have, can have a dashboard, um, and if you're disconnected from the network, say you're in a rural area, for yeah. example, uh, you can still continue to work with your data, albeit obviously it will be the cached version from from the last time you're in the office. But I guess if you're basically know you're going to be somewhere with no data, you can actually just when you're in the office turn it on and cache the stuff. Then when you goes off, it's there. That's, that's exactly how it yeah. works. You can click, you know, press a button, the number of dashboards you want. I want those cached today, and then I can go off and I can go and see my customer or my supplier, for example, and show them the latest data, which can be great. You know, often when you're talking to you know, your customers or, or your suppliers, so, say in a consumer packaged you know, environment, you might want to go out to the dairy, for example, who's, who supplies the raw materials yeah. and show them some of the data you know, in terms of maybe quality control. It's a much more powerful way of doing business than you know, carting a paper report around or, or something like that. So we are finding increasingly, I think, in the world of analytics that people are starting to think in a kind of mobile first approach to delivering information. I think historically, it's always been a headquarters job you know, to, to be an analyst to yeah. look at data but um, when you can give your sales force you know uh, a simple dashboard to take on the road to them it, it, it's very useful and also when it comes to basically the fact that you're on mobile devices how, how easy is it to integrate that into, into your system oh it's very very straightforward we've designed it so uh, 
as I said, the dashboards themselves are responsive in their design, so it, they will automatically resize. The same dashboard that you're um, you're working with in an app will look identical to the one that's that you see on a, on the on your browser screen. So we, we put a lot of effort into. Um, to doing that and, and also there are some quite cool features that you get with the mobile app that you don't actually get with the browser which is things like annotation yeah. so you could take a report and you might see some data that you're not happy with circle it you know, put an arrow to it, email it to um, some your colleague and say, you know, can you explain what's going on here? This doesn't look right sort of thing. So, so the mobile device um, adds a different dimension to working with data, annotations, you know, gestures that you get with the, uh, with the Apple devices, not something that typically you get with your, your browser uh, approach. Because I guess when mobile's more, become more prevalent now, it's easier to uh, utilize that. That's the thing, yeah. And you certainly see executives, I think, where they, they primarily use their, uh, their tablet in it, rather than a desktop, for example. So this is where I think this idea of mobile first comes about. When you think about designing reports and dashboards, some of your users and their use cases will be primarily mobile. Yeah. And, and, and you, you will think about delivering them in, in a mobile context. Having said that, you'll probably also have a few analysts in headquarters that will want to kind of deep dive the data, and they will use a browser, and they'll probably use, I'd say, a more traditional approach to to business intelligence. And I think key to success in BI today is uh, recognizing those different needs and supplying the solution for that. You know, if you want. So you say, uh, how many of users are on mobile versus uh, desktop? That's really difficult to say at the moment. I wouldn't like to hazard a guess. I, I would say it's definitely an area that's growing fast. I think organizations that are mobile first are definitely the minority yeah. at the moment the majority i think today still use the, the i said the good old-fashioned browser but you know they use the traditional browsers firefox chrome and, and, and the like and a, and a laptop as, yeah. as the primary means but it's, it's growing it's probably the fastest growing client and, and delivery system i think uh, when it comes to clients, what, are they bigger, small? What kind of clients do you have? We have all sorts of sizes, but uh, generally, Burst is a because of its it's the product is very much an enterprise platform. Um, there are other tools, desktop tools on the marketplace that are good for you know you can buy with a credit card, um, and they're used by individual users. Burst typically is used by I suppose hundreds of users, yeah. but where an organization is looking to more standardize on one cloud-based solution. The advantage of having your analytics in the cloud, everybody can use it, it's, it's easy to access and, it, and it, you can get more consistency than having lots of desktop deployments. So some of our largest customers typically will have thousands of users, um, but we've got small companies as well that take advantage of the ease of setting up Burst, you know, there's no servers to provision, no software to install and maintain. What tends to be, I think, more the deciding factor, rather than the size of the company, it's the complexity of the problem. Because um, you could be a small company, but if you have a complex set of data sources, a complex business process, um, then often you would choose Burst over a, a simpler tool, if you like. And you know, sometimes you might see a big company that has a relatively simple business model, yeah. and they may not need you know, the power of Burst, for example. So it's certainly when we are you know, kind of identifying potential customers, we often look for the complexity in what they're trying to achieve as the key thing. And it's one of the reasons why we've been particularly successful in the manufacturing and CPG industries, because they're, they're made up of many moving parts. You know, they have the manufacturing part, they have the supply chain. The supply chain involves often multiple destinations and multiple customers. Um, and, and therefore, that complexity tends to 
drive the use of a BI platform rather than you know a desktop discovery environment where you know I just want to bring some data together and, and look at it. So that's that's. So I guess in your case, your clients are mostly using big data. That's where you're kind of aiming at. They are absolutely, and we've seen increasing interest and use of Hadoop as a data store. It's got some advantages and disadvantages in the business intelligence world, but as a, as a means of being able to store lots of different data formats um, easily, then, then it's, it's very useful. Uh, the downside of something like Hadoop technologies in a, a BI world is that often the performance, full table scans, those kind of things that happen when you're doing analytics are not so quick in, in a Hadoop environment. So we often see our customers building uh, what we call a hybrid environment where they have a kind of bulk data store, a data lake if you like, which is based around the Hadoop type technology. But they put a more traditional structured data warehouse on top of that using Burst. And then Burst will navigate the traditional relational database, which contains more of a summary of what's in Hadoop. Um, and one of our customers, which is American Express, the global business travel arm, so not the, the credit card people, but the travel company, um, they use, they've got, if you can imagine, thousands of different data sources all coming together from credit card suppliers, and as well as you know themselves, but others as well, hotel booking systems, uh, flight booking systems. It's all very heterogeneous. And so what they do is they use Hadoop as a kind of the general storage layer for bringing all these different data sources together. But then they've put Burst on top of that to kind of try to build a little bit more structure to the data. Because, again, when you uh, Hadoop is very navigable by an analyst who can code. Yeah. But if you want to give it to a business user, you're not going to be able to give them, you're not going to give them a coding environment. So we find a lot of organizations choose to build traditional metrics and, and dimensions on top of these Hadoop sources. But yeah, they've embraced big data, but they've structured the front end to it. Because I think the key thing that gets forgotten here is that at some point you need to operationalize big data. You know, you've got to turn it from the playground yeah. into something that, that a business user would use daily. Um, and to do that, you've got to really remove a lot of the complexity that you have in accessing those systems today. So I guess you're saying that Burst is basically the front end of course, the back end. Exactly, yeah. And we've got many customers across the world who have started to build these kind of hybrid environments. And I guess for you that works well because Hadoop's got something that you guys don't have and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, you know, the economy of scale, the scalability of it, the economics of Hadoop are second to none. Um, you know, Historically, organizations have had to compromise on the amount of data they've stored in the past, and that's what Hadoop overturned, basically, overnight. They changed the economics of data storage. It means you can store more data, more granular data than ever before. That's great for us. Um, it, it's just that you also have to have this translation layer that sits between a business user and a, and a Hadoop, you know, the kind of the raw data, yeah. if you like. Um, and that's, that's where Burst will come in. We can add some great value there. Um, but while the customer can still take advantage of the economics of the big data lake. I guess with Hadoop, prices have come down, so because of that, people are going to think, well, you can afford that, we can afford you guys as well, you can have both. Well, let's hope so, yes, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a great angle, yeah, uh, that, um, you know, because lots of money isn't being spent. I, I find actually, what I said, I think, is actually what, what happens more often now is that people can think about storing data sets they wouldn't have been able to store before, or they can store them for longer, or they can store more granular data than they were able to before. And often, you know, in the past, if you had to compromise and summarise your data, some detail would have got lost, and perhaps some insight would have got lost as well. Um, and so I think you could see that, you know, if you can store more data, you can have longer trends, the chances of you finding some insight 
are greater, you know, because you've got a bigger data set to go back to. Um, I've seen customers be able to see, you know, kind of variations in demand for in a retailer, for example, that were perhaps hidden when you were doing, you know, summarising by month or summarising by week, because, you know, it's a very volatile world that we live in, and sometimes the detail, the, well, the devil is in the detail, I yeah. suppose, so, to, to use a bit of a cliche, but sometimes that, that enables that, that cliche. The, the key thing, though, I think is uh, one that we often find ourselves reminding the marketplace is, you know, big data's great, but don't lose sight of the fact that at some point you're going to turn it away from an experiment into, you know, an operational Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of system. And I think a lot of people right now are not really thinking that far ahead. But I, I, I think at some point executives are going to go, what value is this giving me? You know, what, what, what's in it for me as, a, as, a, as an executive? And, and at that point, IT will need to be able to show some way of saying it's not just an analyst sandbox, it's also something that, that helps drive the business on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis. And again, so. if you can give the sales guy and get them to use it, it's going to be easier all around to explain how it works. Absolutely. That's the key thing is, is you know, it, it isn't just about having data in the hands of a handful of analysts. It's about how do you democratise it? How do you get it out to... Because, because people make decisions all the while. I mean, I'm a marketeer and I make some decisions every day about where I invest my budget, what campaigns work, what one's done. And they're not big decisions. They're not kind of decisions that will change the way Burst works fundamentally. Yeah. But they all add up. It's like micro decisions. And I think... Um, uh, I've always been a big believer in giving access to information to everybody who's making a decision. You know, how, wherever you are in the, the organisational hierarchy, um, there's some value for having people underpin their day-to-day decisions with data rather than gut feel. And that's that's what the BI market's been trying to do forever, basically. Um, it's, you know, fact-based decision-making versus, you know, gut feel. Are we plans to go next with new technologies? With a, you take those like a, oh, well, I think the big theme is, is machine learning, definitely. Yeah. So we're definitely investing in that. Um, I can't say an awful lot because most of it is futures, but you'll see more machine learning, I think, appearing in the product. Um, a couple of initiatives that you know, we're over here to launch, Burst 6, and there's a, two kind of core features that we're talking about. One is what we call end-user data prep, which is uh, giving end-users the technology to be able to combine data sets together. That historically has been a highly skilled process, but we're using our data processing engine to make that simpler for end-users. Um, and the second thing is machine learning, and, and how can that help people do business intelligence? I think it will open up things like recommendations, for example. So, you know, a little bit like those Amazon recommendation engines, you can say, well, if you're looking at this data, you should perhaps be looking at this other data, which is correlated with what yeah. you're looking at almost nudging the user to be more efficient in their use of, of data so and I think we've hardly scratched the surface on that one yet so that's, that's the thing bots as well yes I think so you'll see much more automation there I mean whether it's a bot that runs in the background or or a bot that you know is, is supporting the user in terms of their data processing I think you'll see that uh, one of our partners um, last week was demonstrating Alexa integration with Burst you know so you can kind of see it going into a kind of speech approach where you ask a question the bots are coming back and they're you know they're answering your your business question but behind the scenes is some kind of uh, business intelligence tool. I guess so if, if the bots actually know what you're actually doing and they can predict in a while what you're going to be doing day in, day out, they know what you're going to be doing next. Well, exactly right. You know, you, you, a lot of business is quite predictable. You know, you look at the same reports every week. You want to compare this year with last year, this week with last week. 
um, you know, you can imagine a bot would once that spot that trends will have your your Monday morning reports ready and available for you before you've even asked for it. So it's. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case, and also I think joining up the analysis that people are doing in an organisation, you know, rather than working as an analyst on your own, this idea of being able to tap into other people's queries, you know, say look, other people have been combining these data sets together, and they clearly found it useful because they keep doing it. So we can we can help the users to say look, this data set tends to be useful in marketing. Salespeople are using these data sets. Um, if we long we could have two bots, one does sales, one does marketing, and they can chat with each other and just and just decide what data has been shared. Exactly, exactly right, yeah. Which is relevant. There's a lot of data that, you know, we, we capture these days and trying to filter through to the relevant stuff is, is, is a challenge. You know, we're all time poor, but yeah. we're very data rich. But the challenge is, you know, can, you, can I get to that, the, the key information quickly? These are some things I'm doing that, you know, there's some data that's just not relevant, for example, that I could, I could be ignoring. Um, that's often where, when I think of a business user in particular, they can get bogged down with an analytics is that they can be overwhelmed by the amount of data that's, that's available available to them if we could maybe cut through that kind of fog see the wood for the trees again to use a cliche then I think that that would be a useful technology improvement and how about IoT any work on yeah that we've got customers doing that as well um, certainly one in the US with notice a company called Spirion who um, they, they they're now putting sensors on their trailers they're a trucking company um, and all the trailers are now fully centered up so they know which ones are on the move which ones are sitting in a you know, in a parking lot not being used, what their efficiency are. So that one's growing very, very quickly. And we're seeing other customers um, and also prospective customers starting to think that, yeah, we've got sensor data sources that we'll start to um, bring in now. You, you can tell that that's going to hugely increase the volume of data that needs processing. So again, these big data technologies that we talked about will be not become like a, a nice to have, but they'll be a must to have because you'll be capturing literally gigabytes and gigabytes of data every few minutes. And it's um, it's going to be a challenge for us to handle that. Um, I think it will be challenging to kind of sort again, sort through finding the relevant data versus you know what's not relevant. You know what do I need to be measuring is, is the key thing. Um, when sensors you know could be delivering all sorts of things. So yeah, early days for that. But I think that's something that we'll see grow very rapidly over the next few years. I guess within ten years you you go to terabytes or a gigabyte of data pretty quickly. Oh yeah, way beyond that. I think yeah. yeah. I mean, our our US uh, data center has over a petabyte of information there because obviously that's across multiple yeah. customers. That's yeah, that, that's going to be more than uh, more than increased. I think over the next few years. And also, if I think, you know, I've been in the BI market, as you can probably tell, for quite a few years. But it, you can't even begin to imagine what would be different like in 10 years because it's changed so much in the last five. You know, we've seen a huge rise in ease of use as a key driver, of, uh, much more self-service access to analytics than you would have done you know, six or seven years ago. Um, yeah, it's, it's, with the use of AI and, and machine learning, it, there could be some very big changes coming up. I guess 10 years ago, people were looking talking about the cloud, didn't know what it was. No. And now everyone's using it every day. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a novelty 10 years ago. Yeah. You maybe had one or two applications like a CRM system in it. Um, you wouldn't have done analytics in it. You wouldn't have processed petabytes of data there. Um, you wouldn't have had all these support technologies, you know, like HANA from SAP, for example. You know, we have customers running terabytes of information yeah. in memory. Um, to get the speed of access to complex data models. We've got customers running huge quantities of data in Redshift, for example, on Amazon, where, again, goes back to the Hadoop thing. You could store far more data economically than you would have been able to do 
you know, a few years ago when it was on-premise, it was your Oracle database, you paid for every yeah. you know, gigabyte of disk that was spinning, you know, IT managers scratched their heads about what had to be live, what, what didn't need to be live, what was, what was near live, that kind of thing. And nowadays, you know, we're just going, we're putting terabytes in memory. Yeah. That's, that didn't happen a few years ago. I guess SAS so. was a paper Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've uh, really transformed the market on that. And remember years ago, yeah. so you use SAS, your paper instance, but now that that's, that's, that's changed. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 much more like. I mean, we talked about it being a utility many years ago, but it's it is getting very close to being a utility now. We we actually talk about our customers using our product. You know, we might provide software as a service, but customers can build analytics as a service for their for the yeah. inside their company. You know, by using Burst in the cloud, they can have the data up there and they can go to their users and say, "There's an analytical service you can." you can get access to. It's got the marketing data, it's got the sales data. If you've got some supply chain information, you can put it in there as well. And that's a, that's a quite a powerful facility. And then, again, IT are then providing this self-service service, yeah. uh, if you like, to the business. Thanks so much for that. It was great. Is that okay? Yeah, Good. perfect. Well, thanks. thanks. Great to meet you. Yeah. Likewise.